Well, our moms think we're funny. Oh, hi, Hey, everyone, I'm a Comey. Oh. <laughs> now, they're going to have to wait, dude, because I said just one moment and you thought you were going to rush me into it, but I'm not. I'm still going to finish, finish my yawn and then I'm going to start. Welcome to our moms <sighs> think we're funny. Okay. <laughs> How you doing, Turk? <sighs> okay, I think I'm doing all right. Good. I am doing pretty darn good. I actually had a fairly decent burger, so I'm like, yeah. Yeah, they, they were... I mean, mine was, like, dripping grease like crazy, so... But, yeah, I think but it was delicious, right. yeah. So, uh... Yeah, what are we gonna talk about today? Well... During dinner, we watched the uh, Savage Dragon cartoon. Yes, we did. Yeah. And... Boy, wasn't that a cinematic masterpiece. It was not good. No, um, it was not. <laughs> I mean, that's going to be a hard no for me. Uh, <laughs> there were there was talent and voices attached to it that I absolutely love, and they could not salvage it. Yeah, it's uh, the, the voice for Savage Dragon is all wrong. Um, that's the, the thing. It's, it's Jim Cumming. He's great. He's such a good voice actor, but not for Savage Dragon. <laughs> no, it, it's just, it just sounds wrong. It's, it's, it, it doesn't fit him at all. It, it's, it's, it's bad. Here's the thing. Um, he voiced Dr. Robotnik in the Saturday Morning Sonic cartoon. He's perfect with that. He's so, he's so sinister and intimidating. Of course, he voices Winnie the Pooh. He voices Pete from the Goofy cartoons. Guy's got range and talents, but man, he just cannot do Savage Dragon. No, the, the voice needed to be deeper, uh, and they weren't giving me a deep voice. No. Um, I need, I needed something more than that. That uh, he just kept throwing out these shitty one-liners the entire time. So like, he'll be arresting a bad guy, and the bad guy will pull out a knife, and he'll be like, "Oh well, you're a cut above the rest." <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that was a good one. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> that, I mean, that, that sounded just like one of those. <laughs> Fighting a cop. I guess that's why you pull out a pig sticker. Like, it's like, oh, stops. And then, like, one of the bad guys will be, like, a dog mutant. It'll be like, down, boy. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's bad. And the cops don't carry guns. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> And you've got like the you've got a guy on there that's such a weak ass pussy of a cop <laughs> that he makes Barney Fife look like uh look like Dirty Harry. <laughs> what would make him more tolerable characters if he was voiced by something like along the lines of like Chris from Family Guy? Just like I think we need back up up here. <laughs> Uh, and uh, and it's two seasons, man. Yeah, <laughs> those two episodes felt like an eternity. Uh, and I'm not trying to uh, I'm not trying to like pit creative teams against one another, but as bad as it is, the Wildcats cartoon is so much better than that. I, I liked the Wildcats <laughs> cartoon. I was thoroughly entertained by that. It wasn't good, but I liked it. But this, oh, <laughs> one and only Wildcats. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, even with so. the animation clipping into other cells, it's still <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a truly golden age for animation. <laughs> but yeah, so I thought you, you know mean what, golden like shower, <laughs> <laughs> it was a golden shower of animation. 
Like, yeah. I got I got lit on fire, and to help me out, they decided to piss on me <laughs> to put it out. So this is the remix edition. All right, so what? I didn't say anything. But yeah, so I figured, you know what? Let's let's cleanse the palate and talk about good superhero shit. I think that's a really good idea. Yeah. So we're uh, going to continue our talk about uh, our. I've I've been calling these episodes the Watchmen Files. Oh, I like that. So yeah, we're basically conducting character studies on each of the main heroes of of Watchmen. So far, we've done uh, the comedian, Silk Spectre, and Doctor Manhattan. Yep, and uh, we've crossed over some of those onto the In the Gutters podcast. Yes, we have. I hear there's some bright young men running that one. Uh, I think one of them's pretty cool. He's kind of talented, and he can uh, he can draw. The other one's an asshole. <laughs> That's just what I hear. I mean, oh, I wouldn't. He... I would, actually, myself, I wouldn't listen to that podcast. If he's that much of an asshole, we should get him on this one. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we've got to temper ourselves here. <laughs> it's an asshole overlord. <laughs> overlord. I mean, there's there's been a recent episode where you referred to me as an agent of chaos. So I don't know. I don't think there's much tempering us here. That does not sound like something I would say. <laughs> I, I I appreciate you way too much to do something like that. Unless <laughs> well, we talk about your other co-hosts. It wasn't it wasn't quite as uh, quite as formal as saying I'm an agent of chaos. I think it was something like I'm a fucking nutcase or something. <laughs> oh no, that sounds more like me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like oh, so you read me like back there when you called me a fucking nut, right? And say like, <laughs> <laughs> you said and stop acting like a fucking nut. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> What was the next thing I did, huh? Huh? Maybe it was when your ass was rotten in prison and I broke it out. That was kind of nutty, wasn't it? Ah, <laughs> uh. oh, yeah. So we're we're saving the the more important and the better characters, or I guess not not necessarily the better, but like the characters we like. We're saving them for a little bit later, and the most important one of the plot we're saving for last. But you know, um, oh, don't forget spoiler heavy. This is very spoiler heavy. So, um, yeah, if you have not read the Watchmen comic, which I highly recommend before you see the movie, or if you haven't seen the movie, you know, go go do that before listening to any of this. Um, yeah. And if, if you're just trying to, like, check out reviews or something to determine if you even want to read it, just go ahead and read it. It's it's, a, it's an absolute must-read. Yeah, uh, I, I, I have to agree with you. It really is. Um, and if you... I would say this. If you know the movie, but you don't know the comic... Take some time to read the comic. Yeah, it, it yeah. really is. It really is that that important. Mm-hmm. It's um, a very different experience, and to to watch Alan Moore weave a tapestry out of this story is just incredible. Uh, and if you um if you have never not have you if you haven't done either, then I would say definitely definitely read the comic book. Um, mm-hmm. It's uh, I think the movie is very well done. It doesn't capture everything, but I do believe the movie is very well done. Um, but, um, you get much more out of it watching the movie after you've read the comic book. I think it, it is that important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I'm, I'm very glad that I read the book before watching the movie. I made it much, much better. Yeah. I agree. But then of course I read it a long time back when that one time I knew what they, they were talking about a movie, making a movie. It was the one that, uh, that Terry Gilliam was going to make, which uh, I, I, that, that whole that what he planned on doing with the movie just oh yeah i don't i don't like it at all 
Uh, but yeah, so today we are talking about Dan Dryberg, also known as the Nido. Yes. Um, Dryberg is a very, very interesting character. We've touched on him a little bit just as we've been kind of going through and talk about about everybody else. Mm-hmm. But again, following the the theme that I have with the uh, that I see in this are people looking for father figures and mentors, somebody somebody to look up to, yeah, to kind of help them with their um, you know, to kind of guide their path. And I think as we've been going through, we've actually been kind of like. We're getting deeper and deeper into people who really needed that. Mm-hmm. So uh, when we started off, we talked about a comedian who we don't really know much about, you know, his whole past. Right. And right. then we went into Lori, who, you know, she was, she needed something, but she had her mom that was guiding her, but it wasn't her path. She was mm-hmm. putting her on a path, but it wasn't necessarily hers. Um, and then we go into Osterman again, who was someone that had a path, but then all of a sudden that was yanked from underneath him. And then he had to, he had to find a new one, and mm-hmm. he ended up gravitating to the only thing he knew, you know. So, so then now we get to Dryberg, who is um is I guess is like the next step from them in in a bad way mm-hmm. to where it's like here's someone that really needed somebody to connect with this mentorship, someone to to really help guide him, and there wasn't anybody there, and he doesn't find that person until much later. Right, right. And I'm not gonna say it's too late. But at this point, his like the course of his life has already been set. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and it's interesting. I think that not a lot of people relate to to Dan in the same way that they do a lot of other characters. And we've talked about this on some of the previous episodes. That, like, you know, a lot of people really like Rorschach because it, it's the black and white. There's pure good. There's pure evil. There's nothing in between. And... I'm not going to compromise from that standard. And a lot of people really like, uh, really like Manhattan because it's like this dispassioned look of here's what reality is. Here's, here's what reality is composed of. It's stuff like that. I don't see a lot of people who say that Night Owl is their favorite character, but, uh, I think he has more in common with the typical comic reader than pretty much any other of the Watchmen character. Oh, most definitely. I think, you, I don't think most people, most comic comic readers probably want to accept that. Yeah. Or yeah. acknowledge it. But he, almost in a sense, you know, that you bring it up there, he almost in a sense represents like the comic reader. Mm-hmm. Like this is the guy, almost in a sense, like this is who you are. Like th- yeah. this is yeah. you. If you're looking for a person to look at, to identify with in the comic book, this is that guy right there. Right. Yeah. And, and it's funny. Um, I think it was during our Dr. Manhattan episode on, uh, which I don't remember if that was uh, on In the Gutters or in Our Moms Think We're Funny, but um, Wallcrawler asked, you know, which which Watchmen character would you want to be? And, you know, we all threw out some suggestions, and he was like, oh, what, nobody wants to be Night Owl? And I was like, he's he's this overweight, spoiled rich boy who's impotent, and it's like, no, I don't want to be freaking Night Owl. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, you know, the basic gist of his story that we get is that his his parents were investment bankers, Rolled in a ton of money, died, left him all this money. He just has a fortune, but he spent his entire childhood reading fantasy stories and fairy tales and sci-fi, and like later on became like uh, a bird watcher of sorts. It's like he he just had all the groundwork laid out to be like 
yeah, I've, I've got the money. I'll totally be a superhero. Yep. That's essentially what happened. He basically says, you know, I was rich. I was bored. I needed to do something. And this this was a good thing to do. Yeah, he, um, like, when he, when he's talking to Lori, um, and they're, and it's, he, he, he really is the, he is the stereotypical nerd. That's, mm-hmm. that's exactly what he is. Because, like, the first thing he does is, a, the, all right. Lori and, and Dan used to be heroes. They used to fight side by side. You know, so she knows who he is and he knows who she is. And I'm not gonna say they don't have any secrets from one another, but, but, uh, they, 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 she's like, oh yeah, you used to be a hero. We used to both run around and kick ass, right? So it's not, um, it, it's not like, like she doesn't know all about him. Right, right. But when they, when they're, um, I'm trying to actually find the, the page right here when they first kind of talk. When she goes over to his house and they're they're talking and this stuff, what's the first thing he does? You know, to try to after their dinner and then she comes over. The first the first thing that he does to try to kind of get her to stay and like hang out with him a little bit longer. He's like, "Oh hey, let me take you in my basement, and show you my toys. Look at all this really cool stuff." I'm like, mm-hmm. dude, I, I know this. I, I've I've you know I've been inside this <laughs> shit before. I've seen your other like owl like costumes and things. You're not impressing me here. But that's all he knows to do was like, oh, I'll try to impress her. But like, you know, look at my really cool like nerdy stuff. And like, <laughs> like that's that's not impressive to her because I'm this is really the velocity of my outship. <laughs> yeah. Like she already she already knows all this. Yeah, um, and uh, I jokingly said that Dan is something of a simp uh, in a previous episode, but really, you you kind of see a lot of hints that like he clearly likes Laurie. He wants to get with her, mm-hmm. and anytime she ma- like makes mention of Osterman, he's always like, "Oh yeah, th- things okay with you and John? You guys aren't about to break up, are you? <laughs> I don't think I can bear the thought." <laughs> But he, but he also immediately withdraws. He's like, "Oh, it's like so you're talking to me. So we maybe there's something that can happen." She's like, "Yeah, because you know, John is like, oh, oh yeah, okay. Well, let me let me just get back in my place here. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. He never he never makes a move on her. It's always her initiation. Hmm. Yeah, it's uh like for for example when she, you know, when she's downstairs and she goes to light up a cigarette. And I think I think that might be the last time she tries to smoke too. It's when she sets the basement on fire. Um, no, it's, it's after that because she talks about quitting, but then, uh, after they do the fire thing and, uh, and all that and are talking about the jailbreak, she's smoking again and he's like, oh, I thought you quit. And she's like, yeah, well, you, you really can't quit anything. It's just a longer break in between. Right. Okay. <laughs> In between, like, smokes, right? Yeah. Dangerous habits, I think, they were specifically talking about. Where the hell is it? So it's, um... Yeah, so this is, like, the thing I was I was actually getting to. So he's, like, showing her all around, and, and she's looking at all of his different suits and stuff. And, and he's really trying to impress her, like, look, I know John's smart, but I'm smart, too. You know, so if you like smart guys... And, and this guy is emotionally unavailable. I'm smart and I am emotionally available, right? So. Come on, a, I'm a nice guy. Right. <laughs> and then he's talking to her and, um, he's like, uh, I'm finished here. I'll take you to the rear exit so you won't get dirty crawling under Archie. And she's like, Archie. And he's like, oh, it's true for Archimedes, Merlin's pet owl and the sword in the stone. And, uh, and so yeah, it's like, that's the whole thing. He, he's, 
this all this stuff is like I'm just a big nerd, and that's it. It's like yeah, I'm just a big nerd, and he talks about just basically being a big nerd. Uh, see, yeah, yeah. So you were. This is actually going to what you were just talking about a minute ago. She says you really were into all that knights and armor fantasy stuff as a kid. He's like, yeah, I guess it, it figures. You know, being a crime fighter and everything, it was just this adolescent romantic thing. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with adolescent romance. He goes, uh, and she says, I mean, this basement, it's enormous. Why not sell some of the old equipment and turn it into I don't know a gym or something? Which is, uh, which is kind of an insult because mm-hmm. you know he has let himself go. He's gotten kind of like, like doughy and stuff. <laughs> And of course, she lives with this like specimen of you know, yeah, of like the of man, and he's got, he's like I already got one, and she's like, no, I don't say like, I don't know why you hang on to the stuff. And, you know, romance is over, and it's like it's like yeah, I, I got a gem, I, I don't use it because well, yeah, I don't really feel a need to, but you know, <laughs> but thanks for pointing out that I'm fat. <laughs> Appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> so she says, what got you into the business in the first place? And you were just talking about this. Well, I was I was rich, bored, and there were enough other guys uh, doing it that I didn't feel so ridiculous. I guess Hollis was my hero when he re- uh, was retiring. Uh, sorry, when he was retiring, when I was starting out, so I wrote and asked him if I care on his name. Because I remember visiting his garage, and that first time I was awestruck. I mean, there I was hanging out with a real hero, being his friend and everything, being a crime fighter, you know, like some part of a brotherhood. That's why I, I sort of regretted the crime busters falling through back in the 60s. It would have been like joining the Knights of the Round Table, being part of a fellowship of legendary beings. But eventually I realized the comedian was right, you know, all this stuff. But there's another part where he talks about like his father and how like his father just couldn't, he, he didn't, they didn't, they didn't, uh, have the same interest. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so like yeah. he was into all this stuff and his, and his father wasn't. And so he didn't have, he didn't have this guy here that, that appreciated like his, you know, his, uh, his nerdiness, like, uh, the, all the stuff he liked as far as, like, um, thing, electronics and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. I'm trying to think of the, right, the words, right. you know, but yeah, they're getting bigger into technology, computers and, that, and all that stuff. And then all the, the fantasy stuff and, you know, the sword and sorcery, you know, uh, and I, I'm always curious as like, did they have comic books in, in that world? Because, yeah. Tells the Black Raider. No, I mean, I mean, like <laughs> superhero kind of stories. Because I mean, you've, yeah. you've got superheroes, and and but would you? Because in Under the Hood, Hollis says that what inspired him was Action Comics number one, because that came out, and then shortly thereafter, Hooded Justice started doing his thing, and Hollis started doing his thing, and then once superheroes became commonplace in this world, people just stopped reading the superhero comics. Well, that's what I was gonna say. Is like, are they still doing that? And then like after the Keen Act. When like okay, we had superheroes. Now we're not going to have them anymore. It's like would they? I guess they they comics just weren't being printed, and they was like we we don't even want to really associate with that. We've had it. We don't like it. Yeah, people were just sick of it. I think it died out before the Keen Act, though. I think it was just that you know when it's real life, it's not as interesting, you know. Right. So um, so yeah, that's that's why like Tales of the Black Freighter and the Western comics and all that are so popular in the world of Watchmen. So so you've got uh, you've got Dan there. And he's, you know, he's like, I don't have anyone. I don't have anyone that I can connect to. And of course, being a nerdy kid, he's, I'm sure he didn't have any friends in school. You know, that's just not one of the things he had. (laughs) That just does not happen. (laughs) And then next thing you know, he, he was a nerdy kid with, uh, and does it say in here? And I apologize that I don't know, but it's saying here how old he was when his parents were killed or died. Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. 
But it was, uh, I think he was still fairly young, though, wasn't I he? I think so. So next thing you know, you're a nerdy kid with money, and you can then kind of, like, make some of your nerdy stuff. And then, you know, like you said, I, here I was, I was this rich guy, and I was kind of bored. I didn't have anything because I've got no one to connect to. Mm-hmm. And then my, my parents died. Both of my parents died when I was younger. So, I, again, I don't have that mentor. I don't have that person I can that I can kind of like turn to and look at and be like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do now with my life. Mm-hmm. And I don't have someone that I can confide in because I'm a nerdy kid with no friends. And on top of that, I'm a rich nerdy kid. You know, yep. so it's, yep. it's basically like if Bill Gates wasn't married, <laughs> you know, like, like what would he if, if he didn't have the if Bill Gates didn't have the social skills he had, right. he would just be a rich loner. Right, right. But on the plus side, we probably have sex robots. Just saying. <laughs> I'm just putting it out there. Don't start that again. I'm not starting anything. I'm just saying you know it for a fact. The Windows operating system and, and all that stuff, we were like, that's exactly. If he wasn't married, if he didn't have social skills to be able to talk to women, <laughs> tell me that's not where the path would have gone down. I mean, I wouldn't want Windows sex robots, but yeah, I think we'd probably have it. See? So, yeah, there you go. <laughs> so... Yeah, can you change the name from Cortana? No! <laughs> Cortana was the girl that, like, rejected him in high school. <laughs> um, so then he, like I say, then he goes and, you know, you say superheroes, that's a big thing. Yeah. And then, like, the one hero he really likes is a night owl. Yeah. And so what does he do? He's like, hey, you're retiring. Can I take on your name? And he's like, sure, kid. And I'm sure that I'm, I'm sure that Hollis likes him a lot. I'm sure that Hollis really likes him. Probably even thinks of him as a son he never had. Mm-hmm. But you know that when he originally became friends with him, it wasn't because he really liked this kid. It was a hero worship. That's yeah. what attracted him to him. And from there, we became friends. Yeah. But it was a hero worship that originally brought him in. And uh, yeah, and and Hollis even says at his retirement party that like that you know they give him the trophy. And he's like, oh, yeah, you see this? This almost makes me want to not retire. Right. And he, he does enjoy the praise. So so then, like, he becomes friends. He's like, oh, hey, here's a guy now that I can – that can help guide me on my path. I'm going to make all this stuff. And, and, right. he, and he approves of what I want to do. I say, hey, I want to use your name and fight crime. And he's like, sure, kid, go right ahead. I like you. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wow, thanks, Dad. I mean, Holland. <laughs> I mean, Hollis. <laughs> But again, is a guy looking for some for someone that he can confide in and that he can, you know, lead or will help like mentor and lead him and guide him along. Mm-hmm. And in this case, it's like, here's something I want to do. And here's a guy that accepts what I want to do where my father didn't because he didn't understand me. Right, right. And so I, I'm getting it. I'm getting it much too late in life, but I'm getting it. Right, yeah. Yeah, and he's he's definitely one of the more like orderly heroes, and like yeah. you see that during the riot scene where he's just like all he's trying to do is just get people to like no, just you know do A, B, and C. We're trying to take control of the situation here. We're we're trying to you know help help this smooth over with a minimum of bloodshed. And when they do the fire thing, he's like, you know, okay, everybody, you know, come to this floor. We're going to just get you on the ramp. There's coffee downstairs. Like, he, he's all about doing things by the book. Which, with the original Night Owl as his mentor, that makes sense, because the original Night Owl was an ex-cop. Yeah. 
it's I, I think I, I I think you're you're like dead on right there. I was like, yep, yeah, yeah, this is that's exactly what it is. It, he's he he wants he wants so bad to be something to be somebody, mm-hmm. you know, and which I don't think he's ever felt uh, was like he was somebody, and I think that really comes through when like when he's after after well I'll, I'll say it's this when he and um <clears throat> when he and um and Lori first try to get it on and then he can't because he's impotent mm-hmm. and and which of course is like a metaphor for so much stuff but the biggest part is that yes I, I I'm impotent not just sexually but also in life mm-hmm. like I don't have anything to fight for I don't have anything to that makes me a man. I did at one time. Right. You know, even, right. even when he was running the company and he made all this money and stuff, he still never felt like a man. Right. But right. when he, when he became the night owl too, then he felt like a man. He felt like he was in control of stuff. And I think that's a part of it too. Like he looks at the comedian. He's like, here's the guy that's in full control. Mm-hmm. He's the opposite of me. And that goes back to what we've talked about with every other character. It's somebody who wants control. Everybody in Watchmen wants some element of control. In this case, he and Lori just want to kind of control their own life, mm-hmm. um, and and he doesn't have it. And without that, he just feels like nothing. He's he's got a lot of money. He could live like a really like great life, mm-hmm. but he doesn't. He just lives in this little tiny place. It, even with all the money that he still has, he's got patents and stuff like that. He can even be making more stuff. Yeah. But he doesn't. It's like it's almost like he's resigned. Like this is the life that I have because I don't, I because I, I'm not a man. I don't deserve anything right. better than just to live like this. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, and going back to he's he's so by the book. He wants to just do things in a neat, orderly way. So of course, when they pass the Keen Act, well, you know, it's legal. I have to retire now. Right. But that's what breaks him, and you can tell that's that's what really like that that pushes him from being like cracked. To being fully broken. Because when Rorschach's like, you want to know what happened to us? You quit. And you can just read the hurt on oh, Dan's yeah. face where he's just like, ah, shit, dude. Yeah, that's another thing, too. The only other person that Dan actually has as a friend is Rorschach. Yep. Hollis and Rorschach. And Rorschach is the one person that nobody else can can be around for whatever mm-hmm. reason. And Dan considers him a friend. Yeah, uh, and... Because even, even when they fight later on, he's like, you know, it's really hard to be your friend when you say stuff like this. Yep. It's like, but he considers him a friend. Like, so the one person that, the, the only other person in the, in the book outside of Manhattan that is impossible to connect with is the one, is the person he calls a friend. Yep. It's still someone that you can't fully connect with either. So it, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. And, you know, they, and I mean, they, who, what, it was Moloch that they busted, right? When? Uh, oh, yeah. no, big figure. Big, big uh, figure that they... Yeah, because he puts big figure in uh, in prison. He's, and... Yeah, so, like, they worked together for a while, and after the kidnapping, Rorschach became so out of control, and Dan is such a by-the-book guy that that's when they stopped working together. Well, I think the, the Keen Act is like... Because, you know, when they pass the Keen Act, there's that one panel where they say, everybody did this, and then there's, a like, a crumpled dead by on the ground with mm-hmm. Rorschach's sign on it says never. Yeah. <laughs> He's yeah, like... I love that. 
I love that. But yeah, but, but they they'd stopped working together before that though, because um during the riot, the comedians like you know whatever happened to you in Rorschach, he's like oh he works on his own mostly yeah. these days. So, and I wonder if that was more if that was more for because of Rorschach or because of Dan. If Rorschach kind of pushed him away because he was going down a darker path, or because I I can't see Dan pushing him away. I can see Dan holding on even even just loosely the i think what we see in the interactions between rorschach and dan is that rorschach really just has a way of being super critical of people and going yeah well this is stupid you know we could just go <laughs> break this guy's arm and we get the information we need why would we turn him into the police if we kill him now and that'll just save them the trouble and it's like I think especially after the kidnapping that he probably just did that enough that finally Dan was like you know what we're not you know we're we're not accomplishing anything now because Rorschach doesn't have a problem working with people as long as they just do things the way he wants them to that's true <laughs> it's like yeah if you weren't a total pussy we could have gotten something done by now but I tell you, um, I got to see what chapter this is here. Um, this is chapter seven, page 15, uh, panel five. This is after, like, Lori puts the moves on Dan and they try to, they try to get it on and then he can't because of his condition. Mm -hmm. Look at the expression on his face. It's like he's hurt all through and it's like he's so embarrassed. Yep. God, that's, Again, the masters that Dave Gibbons for being able to really convey that. Like, you can just see that he, he, like, he already doesn't feel like a man, but he feels less like a man there. He feels even less in control and he's so embarrassed. Like, here it is, the girl I've been pining for for so long. I finally get my shot. Yep. And, and, and I, I can't. I, I can't make it happen in any way. I love the TV narration in that scene, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he's down a perfect dismount. <laughs> uh, so. And and it's funny, and, you know, I mean, I've, I've, you know, talked about Dan being a simp and yada, 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 but, like, you're kind of rooting for him to get with Lori. It's like, you kind of want that for him. And even, like, the first time that she's there, like, after... After she leaves John, he's like, oh, you can stay the night here. And her immediate response is to be like, well, thanks, Dan. You're, you're like a big brother to me. <laughs> it's just like, ah, poor Dan. Fuck, man. <laughs> but I wonder, because I'm not sure if, if it's really clear to Dan, like, what his problem is until that moment. Because when he has the drink or the nightmare, mm -hmm. I think that's when he realizes, like, what it is like he gave up he gave up being a a hero yep and i know and he liked it he enjoyed being a hero and all that stuff but i don't know if he was fully aware then that like this is why he's why he why he's he's so inept yeah yeah you know? until until that dream so when he and Lori can't can't get it on he's embarrassed and he you know he falls asleep and they they fall asleep together on the on the couch and he has this nightmare uh, where, like, he's with her and they're, and they're taking off their clothes. And I think this is like the, the, the biggest thing right there. He's there and she's in, um, cause they talked about it earlier. There's a picture of her. Uh, I think it's her in this kind of like weird, like bondagey outfit. Oh no, that, I was going to bring that up. That was the Twilight Lady. Okay, Twilight Lady. Yeah. Um, 
There we go. I, I saw that and then I was just doing it here because it's, it's him and then there's the Twilight Lady and she starts taking off his clothes and, and then she like, they peel off each other's clothes and then she peels off, um, she peels off his skin mm-hmm. to reveal like who he is underneath. Like, this is who you really want to be. Yep. And then. This is who you are on the inside. Right. And then he peels off hers to see like, it's not the Twilight Lady, even though she's like, as a young boy, this thing that I really wanted, but like Lori, like this is what I want. And then right as they're getting ready to get it on, the missiles fall and then they're gone. Such a beautiful page. It is. It's fantastic. <clears throat> and that wakes him up out of this, you know, out of this, the, the sleep, this cold sweat. And, and like at that moment, I think he really understands. He's like, I gave up on being who I really was. Like all my life, I wanted to be this person. I mm-hmm. finally got the opportunity to be it. And then I let somebody else take it away from me. Yeah. You know, I had control and I let somebody take it away. And the thing is, they didn't even do any, they didn't beat me down and take it. Yeah. They just said, give it to me. And I said, okay. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't, he didn't fight for, for what he wanted. He just rolled with it. Yep. And then he goes downstairs and he puts on the, the goggles that he had just shown to her earlier. And, um, and then, it, and that's what he says there. He goes, uh, you know, he tells her about the dream and says, and in this war, the feeling that it's unavoidable, it makes me feel so powerless, so impotent. And I think that's another part of it is too, that like you, we're right now, we're like, you know, I think it goes from like, was it like 10 minutes to midnight or something like that to like 30 seconds to midnight? Well, at the end of it gets basically to midnight, but it's like, it's like 30 seconds to midnight. Mm-hmm. And, and he's thinking to himself, like, I let this happen. Like, because I gave up. Yeah, I, I I helped lead to this thing where this is happening, and so now we're on the brink of war. You know, I'm scared. Everybody's scared. The whole world's just going to probably get all blown to hell, and it's kind of my fault because I just gave up as soon as, soon as someone said, "Don't," I said, "Okay." Yep. And it's it's got to be especially hard for him because one of the few people that he respects, Rorschach. Is like he was one of the one, he was the one who was like no fuck that I'm not gonna quit mm-hmm. never never yeah. because I will not compromise so it's like he he's got to know deep down it's like I could have done what Rorschach did I could have just said never and just kept going so this is something I think is kind of interesting I'm gonna go back and just double check here but um I like how here like Dryberg says it's like. I can just feel this anxiety, this terror uh, bearing down. It's like, I came down here for my costume. I don't know. I feel worried, confused. I just need to take to the air to blow away the cobwebs. Like, he, he comes down there, and I don't think he really wants to admit it to her, but he's like, I came down here to get my power back. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what it was. I came down here to get my power back. And I don't, and I think he didn't really want to necessarily maybe admit to her, like, I came down here because this is the only time I ever felt like a man. Right. And right. was when I was a, a hero, but he doesn't really want to say that to her. Right. Because, you know? yeah. because that shouldn't be the thing. It should, you know, it's like the, like the, uh, like a Spider-Man thing. It's like, you know, if you're nothing without the suit, you shouldn't have it. Right. right. So right. this should not be what makes you a man. You should have already, you should be a man without it. But we didn't talk about this before. And I, I think because that was, uh, you know, this section is so, so drybergy. Um, <laughs> I'm so you can you if you can find a better word for that you 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 tell me, but um, they um, 
you know, she, she's like, well, yeah, why don't you go ahead and put on the suit and take Archie up for a flight and, you know, just kind of, um, you know, just like clear your head, you know. <laughs> Who's and, to know? Uh, yeah. So, and he's like, okay. Um, cause she's like, yeah, I understand, you know, kind of how you feel about everything. You know, you used to be one thing and, and now you're not. And, and you know, everything that's going on, you just sometimes you just need to just get outside and just clear your head. So what I find interesting here, and I'm, I'm just kind of going back, so I want to look at a couple things with um, with Lori when she uh, when she comes, because you know, because he offers, he's like, hey, you can come stay at my place, um, and of course she turns him down. But then later on, she uh, it's after they fight the fight the knot tops, mm-hmm. um, which is another thing I got we got to talk about too, because that was that's that scene where he's like he's like he starts to kind of feel that that things like this is. This is what it feels like, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I forgot all about all that. Um, so, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. It's the, I'm looking at the thing where where Dryberg wakes up because Rorschach is in his apartment. And Rorschach <laughs> goes, by the way, he needs a stronger lock. That new one broke after one shove. Like, yeah, yeah. God damn it, we still breaking the locks on my door. <laughs> it's like the second time. But again... <laughs> He's Dryberg. He could build a better locking mechanism if he wanted to. Yeah, yeah. I, isn't that where he's also like, hey, thanks for the cereal. Yeah. And the milk. <laughs> so, so after after um, John leaves, um, you know, he, he leaves the studio, goes to Arizona, and then goes to um, goes to Arizona, and then uh, goes to Mars. She goes back to their place, and they're packing up all of her stuff. And putting it all in these like uh, radioactive canisters, like yeah, well, you know, for all we know you, that um, like all this stuff is radioactive. We heard about you know all the people he gave cancer to, and you're packing it all up, and and that's it. So like she did, she can't get any of her stuff back. Um, so what I find interesting here, though, is, and you probably might be able to explain a little bit um, as far as what I'm talking about, but what I find interesting here is. She tells him to go, um, and they probably say take the suit out. And then she comes downstairs. And then we later see that she is in, um, her costume. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, well, okay. Um, but why did you get that? When you went and packed up all your stuff, why did you get that thing that you hate? Um, she didn't pack it. They, they just sent all of her belongings to her. Okay. That's what I was going to say. Because, um, <laughs> Like, the package shows up, and Dan's like, what's this? She's like, oh, that's that's for me. Sorry, I used your address. Gotcha. This is all I have are these two boxes and a letter saying I don't have cancer. See, that's what I was looking for. I was like, I because I know they didn't let her have her stuff, but then somehow she got that. But even still, like, why would she put that on? The thing that she hates, it, I mean, they could go up at Archie without her putting that on. Mm-hmm. And especially if it's, it's like, oh, hey, you know, just you put on the suit, you know, make yourself feel good. And then we can just in, and take Archie up for a flight. Um, but she puts that on. Yeah. I think that goes back to what I was talking about before is like she pushed back against her mom, everything she did. But when she was out there doing it, she actually did feel like she was in control of her life mm-hmm. because becoming a hero wasn't her choice. But what she did as a hero was her choice. Yeah. Yeah. And then she's like, you know what? I got, no-. at this point, she's like, I got nothing else either. 
I don't have anything because mm-hmm. what I did have was like John and, you know, being his wife and doing all that stuff. But now that's gone because he's gone. I don't have a place to say I'm staying with you, which is fine. That, that's, that's great and all, but I, I don't, but what do I do? I, I can't be a, a real, let's say like, well, when we're not married, but I just can't be a regular like wife. I don't have any skills right. to, to get a job in the workplace. Like, what do I have? This is the only thing I have. And much like you, like, damn it. Um, like, I actually kind of like it. Right. Yeah. And even, you know, so that's, you know, and then she, she put, she, she reveals that she's got the costume on. So I, I'm like, I think even she, she kind of was going down the same path as like, this is, I don't want to say this is when I felt alive, mm-hmm. but, um, but she was like, this is when I felt kind of like you did. Yeah. Um, and I, I, she yeah. talks about why she'd put the costume on and okay, it's not the conversation where she goes back to smoking. There's uh, no such thing as quitting. There's just sometimes there's longer pauses between relapses. Mm-hmm. Um, she says, was tonight good? Did you like it? Did the costumes make it good? So it must be in the next chapter. So it should be somewhere in chapter eight, if I'm thinking right. Um, uh, uh, yeah, here we go. It's uh, chapter eight, page five. She says, superhero saves world, huh? This is... Some elaborate scam to get me back into my costume, right? And Dan says, Haha, Laurie, the costume was your idea. And she says, What? That's ridiculous. I loathe that Halloween suit. Obviously, I wore it to help you. Now, that's, I think, is a case of the lady protesting too much, mm-hmm. methinks. Because, ob- obviously, they both they both found some fulfillment in that emotionally. So, and I... But her her claim there is... I did oh, to help you. Yeah. But when we took, we were just supposed to be taking Archie up. Like I told you, go ahead, put the suit on. Cause it, I, it probably wouldn't feel right to take Archie up without having the suit on. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. so to, to go ahead and take the, take the, take Archie up. When she comes down in the coat, he doesn't know what she's wearing underneath. Mm-hmm. And so for her to put that on was completely necessary. Then it happened to hear about the tenement fire. Yep. And then she skins out of the coat. Right. So you can't say you put that on for me. When we were just supposed to be going up, just flying around, just like, oh, this is great. Now we'll go ahead and take Archie home. Mm-hmm. No, you put that on. And and because it's after saving those people that he's like, wow, I did something. Because they, they talk about that as like, we did something. This is kind of like what we used to do. And it wasn't just taking Archie up. It was taking him up and then doing something great mm-hmm. that gave him his power back. And then that's when they have sex for the first time. Yeah. If he if they if there hadn't been that fire, they would have taken it up, they would have come back down, and he probably would have actually felt worse about himself mm-hmm. because he's like he's like, This is what I missed, um, and and I didn't do anything. He's like, This is yeah. what I missed. And even now I'm like, Okay, I took it out for a spin, now I'm gonna come back home. Right, right. You know? And then he's like, Oh, I wish you oh. could be in my costume again. While he's uh while he's helping the people in the fire, he's saying, you know, Oh, I'm fine, I'm just fine. Mm-hmm. He's he's like all grins. 
And uh, back on this on this conversation in page five, he says, um, "Own up, Lori. Doesn't this bring back all those old time? Doesn't this bring all those old times flooding back? Night patrols having a secret." And since we're uh, and so Lori says, "Well, yeah, patrols were okay. I had nine different routes over Washington's rooftops. Route five was the best." So I mean, for for both of them, it's like. I think they missed having a purpose. Mm-hmm. Definitely more so for for Dan. And I think for Dan, it goes back to, you know, he, it, this is him relating to, to Hollis. This is, you know, that, that is his father figure. And it's like, I want to, I want to make dad proud. Yep. And then he didn't even fight to keep it. They passed the Keen Act and he was like, yeah, okay, here's... And here, I'm just going to retire. You guys can't have my identity, but, you know, I'll just retire. And so I feel like he thinks that he's failed Hollis in a lot of ways, too. Yeah, I can I can agree with that. It's, uh, it's kind of interesting. You don't really see a lot of it, but, like, when you see Dan and some of the other scenes early on, he's this kind of, like, buttoned-down guy, you know, kind of dresses... You know, kind of schlubby, you know, but he's like, I'm going to wear my, my my tie and my sweater and all this. Mm-hmm. And you don't see a lot of scenes with him, like individual scenes. The, move, the book actually moves pretty fast. Yeah, so you don't yeah. see a lot of scenes with him just kind of like uh, outside of the costume. But after that scene, still in that, uh, where we just looking at um, uh, page, uh, chapter eight. Mm-hmm. When and by the way, chapter eight, pages four and five, I love the, the panel layout there. So first off, the panel layout for four, you've got three long panels up top, and but those long panels depict one scene as she's walking across the walking across the room. Mm-hmm. That's so well done. It's very Ditko. And then you've got the three bottom panels. When we cut over to page five, it's the three bottom individual panels, and then the last three are long panels again, still depicting a a shot of you know of them actually walking. Across mm-hmm. the room, that, that inverse there is kind of awesome. Plus, on the middle panel, um, I guess panel uh, five on page five, where you've got the 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 uh, camera, the screens mm-hmm. for the cameras, and you can see each of them on the different things as it's like um, as the cameras are like a uh, each one has a different uh, like fixed point. Yeah. So you yeah. see like a long shot of them, a close shot up of them. That's that's really nice. Such such great panel work. That's awesome. But yeah, in this one, good. we see him. Like, he's like, he feel he's almost like he's back in his element. Like the, um, he, he's just wearing just kind of like just pants and like a t-shirt. He's not wearing the tie thing. He's not all buttoned down. Mm-hmm. He's much more relaxed and loose. Um, now we do see him in the next scene where he puts a sweater on, but he's much more relaxed and loose and just like, ah, you know, here I am. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it's, it's fantastic. And you see like the real change in his character there. Mm-hmm. So that, that's really kind of cool. But it's like you said, like she, she says one thing and, but she says one thing, but she's not really telling the truth because I don't think even, but one thing we know is that she doesn't want to, and I think we miss a lot of this when we're talking about her uh, before, but she doesn't want to admit or acknowledge certain things. Yeah. One thing she doesn't want to, she doesn't want to admit that she enjoyed being in the costume for whatever the reasons are, because that admits that her mother was right. Right. She doesn't want to do that. She still wants to be like, you forced me into this thing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter whether I liked it or not. It doesn't matter if I was good. 
You forced me into it, so I'm not going to acknowledge it. Not only to you, but I'm not going to acknowledge to myself that I liked it. I said, you know, when the Keenak passed, it was the greatest thing that ever happened. I had to I could get away from that costume. But then she uses any any excuse she can to put it back on. Right, yeah. And But then she still doesn't want to admit that she enjoyed it. Right, yeah. And the only time that she actually gets around to that point where she can say, this is who I am, this is what I enjoy, is after Mars. Mm-hmm. When... When you know, Doctor Manhattan's like, "Oh, hey, um, you need to confront some things from your past," you know, right, right. It's it's. I kind of feel. Well, I, I don't know if you're supposed to feel this way, but I kind of feel like they were, even though they may not really know it, but they were, they were kind of meant for each other. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Yeah. They. They fulfill each other in in ways that, like, no one or nothing else really can. And that kind of goes back to um, we what we talked about in the Dr. Manhattan thing, where the only times you really see him smile in the book is the first time she goes to see Dan and the last time he sees her with Dan. Right. Where it's like he knows that Dan is who Laurie needs. And what's interesting about that... Is that if Dan and her had made any forward movement uh, prior to this moment here, it wouldn't have worked out. Right, right. And I think that kind of goes into the whole, like, I don't want to call it fate, but the the whole, like, this is how things are supposed to be. And they have to play out in this order. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's something that Manhattan already knows. Yeah. yeah. But it's like, you you had to go through this. Because neither one of you would have been in a position to be able to accept who you really are and what makes you happy. You know, because he knows, like Dan knows that being the night owl makes him happy, but he doesn't know exactly why it makes him happy. Right. And, and but you have to go through this whole period here and then you realize, oh, this is why it makes me happy. This is why I want to be it. This is why I can't stop being it. Right. Yeah. Um, and um, I, have to, I have to drop a little bit of a spoiler. Um I don't know if you... It's just for the TV series. Uh, I have no idea when I'm ever going to watch the TV series. Okay. So, what do you know about TV series before I drop a spoiler into that? Jack Diddley. Okay. Um, I know that it rains squids. Okay. Uh, and where, where are we at? We might be a good time to take a break. Uh, we are 50 minutes in. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. Let's take a break here. Okay. And then um, and then we'll, we'll come back. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. And uh, when we come back, we're going to go into the... Uh, Gonna do a small little spoiler for uh, for the Watchmen TV series. So, uh, well, I'll try to give you some kind of a, of a lead in. All right, we'll be right back. All right, hey, welcome back, everybody. Hey. So, um, I said that we were gonna kind of uh, now we're back. We're gonna do a little bit of a lead in for uh, for the Watchmen uh, TV series, and. So let's, uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and do that now. So let's give like a nice little, uh, I don't know, maybe a, a three, two, one, and here we go. Okay. So in the Watchmen TV series, it, which it, it's, I really, I thought it was really good, uh, series that was very well done. You know, kudos to you, Lindelof. Uh, I got no real complaints with it at all. In that we, you know, we're, we see a lot of things that are going on and, this is some of the stuff that I saw that I was like, hey, this, that's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, uh, 
I'm trying to think if he was a, a governor um, that goes to this FBI agent and says, like, hey, um, I want you to go out to this town here. Uh, and I want you to go to Tulsa and look into this this uh, police chief that was that was killed. And they, were, and they were hanged and and figure out what's going on there. And so when he goes and talks to her, he's looking, he goes over and she has this owl in a cage. Hmm. And um, I forget her. Her name. Uh, anyway, it's played by Gene Smart. Um, who was in the Legion uh, TV series mm-hmm. and who was in Designing Women, among all kinds of stuff. She plays the role so well. She's fantastic. But anyway, what what you find out is that this is Lori, so Silk <laughs> Spectre. She's now uh, an, a- an FBI agent. She hates heroes. So whenever anybody pops and want to be a hero again, she's like, this is against the Keen Act. You're not supposed to be doing this. I'm going to take you down. So essentially she hates him, but she takes him down. Right. Um. And this guy and this guy's talking to her and he's like, and he goes over and he's looking at, at the, this owl she has in a bird cage. And I forget what the owl's name is, but he's talking to her and he's like, you know, hey, if you do this for me, um, then, uh, he's like, uh, then he's like, maybe I can like pull some strings and maybe get your, your, uh, your owl out of the cage. In the, and this is like episode two, I think. Mm-hmm. In episode one, we see the police like going after these people. And of course the police were masked because of this whole deal. I'm not going to get into the TV series because that's, that's its own thing. Right. But the police had this flying airship that looks very similar to Archie. <laughs> Plus there's a part where the one character, um, what's her name? Um, uh, Mother Knight, where she puts on these goggles that give her kind of like night vision. Uh-huh. I think that you give her night, no, either night vision or x-ray vision. I think it might be x-ray vision. Anyway. When you start to put the piece together, Lori doesn't go by Yuspetchik. She goes by Blake. Yeah. So she's fully accepted who she's the daughter of. Right, right. The police have what looks like, like I said, this, 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 uh, airship that looks a lot like Archie's design. Mm-hmm. And then the woman's got the x-ray goggles. And I, I haven't, I'm gonna say, I didn't look any of this stuff up. I, so there could be something out there where there's like, you know, Lindelof's like, that's exactly what it is. But anyway, um, when he refers to the owl in the cage, he's talking about Dan being in prison. Right. Yeah. Because as we see here, once Dan gets, you know, his mojo back, he doesn't want to let it go. Right. Yeah. And my belief is that he continued to be a hero. Mm-hmm. He got caught. He got thrown in jail. They confiscated all of his technology, mm-hmm. which is why they have some of it now. Yeah, yeah. And so he's like, maybe I can get basically Dan out of prison. Mm-hmm. And that's also why now she's an agent. Um, because it's like, almost those things like, hey, um, we caught him, but we didn't catch you doing anything. Right. Um, so... You know, work for, work for us or work with us. And she, and she probably does have, I think she does have like a really big kind of a hate for heroes because it's like Dan couldn't give it up. Right. And it got him in the situation and left me alone. Right. And it's like, you know, being a hero has been a horrible experience <laughs> except for, you know, there's a lot more to her than just that. It's, it's really, it's like I said, the series is fantastic, but, yeah. um, but that's really kind of cool. So when we're looking at this and we're looking at him and he's like, this whole thing is like kind of like, I can't give it up. Now she can and she doesn't mind missing out on parts of her life. But for him, he's like, I'm not a man unless I'm doing this. Right. Like right. My whole life was searching for the thing that was going to make me a man. Being a hero is it. 
And now that I've really come to terms with that, I can't give that up. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, even for Dan, I found I've got the woman I've always wanted to be with. And if I'm not a hero, I can't keep her. Right. Because if I'm not a hero, I'm not a man. I'm back to being that guy before. Right. The slob. Yeah. So it's almost like, it's like, I have to do this for you. And it's like, but I don't want you to do this, but you can't have me. I, you can't, I can't have you and you can't stand to be with me if I'm not right. this guy. Right. Which is, which is kind of horrible. It makes me even wonder if maybe, like, he was doing this without, you know, without her knowledge. Mm. He was going out at night without her knowledge. Maybe? And, and that's what would be the thing that would make her like kind of hate. Like, why would you do this? Why would you put our relationship in danger? Mm-hmm. And why would you not tell me? Right, right. So, yeah, that it's it's interesting. I think series is well done. I I would have to imagine that he read this book over and over and over again. Oh yeah, like, took copious notes. And um, I mean, the the uh, I could only imagine from everything I've heard about the show. Oh yeah, it's 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 awesome. Um, I, I said, I really, really, really dug it. So, um, but yeah, it's, I, I, I said, I like Dan because Walker and I've had conversations like this before about being a hero and what it means to be a hero and kind of like why, why we, we read comic books and like why comic books are important to us, why it was an important part of our growing up, mm-hmm. which is, you know, like most people that read comic books or read superhero comic books, you have this kind of this, this uh belief in a and a kind of like doing the right thing right. doing the right thing take looking out for people you know helping people you know wanting to make things better and that by doing that like you you always hope that good is going to win out and save the day right yeah you know, that that's your belief now you don't honestly think that that's all that that's always going to happen but the belief that you know that I have to believe that that it's going to win majority of the time. Because mm-hmm. if, if I don't believe that, then I got nothing to hold on to. You right, know? right. And and so that and that, that that's where we read comics. We want to read stories where people face insurmountable odds and they fight till they got nothing left in them, and you know, and then they they win. You know, most of the time, they win. You know? right, um, right. And it makes us feel good about being the people that we are. It's like you know, you know don't give up. You know, always fight, always try to do what's right, and doing what's right is what's going to make things better. It, and uh, and so we 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 like that that aspect of it. And Dan is this this kind of this this guy. He's like he's he's the one that's kind of like like us. He mm-hmm. he wants to make things better. He wants to be a good guy. He wants to be a hero. He wants to save the world. You know, he wants to help people. Yeah, yeah. and and it's he's. I see he's more, he's, he's more like the reader. He is the reader, whether you want to accept it or not, because everybody, not everybody, but when you look at yourself as a comic book character, people envision themselves as Captain America, mm-hmm. but they don't remember them, envision themselves as Steve Rogers before he becomes Captain America. Right. Yeah. And, and they really kind of, that's who you have to be. And when you're looking at this, you want to be Manhattan, but really who you are is Dan Dryberg. Right. Right. And, and then you become the night owl because you want to do what's right. Right, right. So yeah, 
I'm just looking through the last chapter here to see if there's anything else that really stands out about the character, but I, I think we've summarized it pretty well. And uh, since the, the one other thing that I think is uh, is really interesting about uh, about Dryberg is, and we've we've talked about this. I know you and I have talked about this like several times before. Is um, with with Dryberg, there's that uh, there's that scene. You know that scene when they go and he and and uh, Rorschach. Uh, you know he uh, well first off. Like it's 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 so heartbreaking when he, he finally gets everything that, that he needs, right? He's mm-hmm. he's rescued Warshak, um, and and now like like hey, because they're still under the belief that there's a mass killer out there. Let's go get the mass killer, and uh, and he's like, hey, I, I'm I'm back, I, I I'm back, you know. It's like this mm-hmm. is it, you know. And then all of a sudden, there's that that flash of light, and um, and there's Doctor Manhattan. And she's like, oh, I'm just going to go away. He's like, no, because if you go away with him, like, I can't let you go. Because if you go away with him, you're not going to come back. I don't think you're going to come back. Because, you know, even though I'm starting to get my, my my power back here, right? Like, if you go away with him, he's still so much better than I am in every way. Right, right. Um, even though he's, even though he's, you know, emotionally distant, though, but he's got everything else. Like, you know, like, nine out of ten ain't bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and as soon as she disappears with them, like, he's... He's gone. He's like, I got no reason to be a hero again. You know, right? I, I, I don't. It's, it's, it's all gone. But then, um, you know, the uh, everything with uh, he and uh, he and Rorschach, you know, they they go out there, and then Hollis gets killed. Yeah, yeah. And when Hollis gets killed, and he finds out about that, like he <sighs> loses his shit, which yeah, is the yeah. absolute. I mean. It's 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 a horrible scene. It, it really is, but it's the absolute best when mm-hmm. he loses it because because he's like um it's it's a it's a it's a part of him that you haven't seen before mm-hmm. and and it's like the 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 one thing I had the the this this I get to start showing Hollis I'm a hero again. Like mm-hmm. I, I gave up on it, but now I get to go up there like, like, hey Hollis, look, I'm gonna be the night owl again, right? Yep. Aren't you proud of me? Yep. And he doesn't get a chance to do that. Yeah. And, and he's like, all of a sudden he's like, you killed my dad. He's mm-hmm. like, you you killed, you killed me. Right. Right. And he loses his shit on that guy, and it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And what's even more beautiful. Is Rorschach. Rorschach. Not in front of civilians. We have the knowledge that we wanted. Right. Yeah, I love that. It's it's so awesome because he's uh like or like Rorschach just kinda it's it, we, you, you and I talked about this when he sees like he's like, you know, this is who I am, this is who you are. Mm-hmm. You should never be who I am. Right, right. Th- there's there's a reason why why I do what I do. Um, and it's like, and you're that balance, you're that perfect balance to me. And it may be kind of like infuriate me at times because of this, but, but having a bunch of me's running around doesn't solve the problem. Yeah. You know, there needs to be someone like you. And, uh, and he, and he stops him and it's like, Rorschach is so aware of that. Mm -hmm. And then like immediately thereafter, when they leave the bar, Rorschach's like, well, you know, this supports the mass killer theory. And he's like, for God's sake, Rorschach, <laughs> let it go. And he's like, oh, no, just I'm just saying, if we find the mass killer, you can have revenge for Mason's death. It was meant to comfort you. And he's like, how is that supposed to comfort me? <laughs> <laughs> and 
But then, even then, even in the midst of, like, this greatest tragedy, Dan still says, yeah, okay, thanks, Rorschach, really, thank you. It's like, even then, he realizes, like, I can't go off on Rorschach for this, because he just doesn't get it. <laughs> Rorschach is nucking futz. <laughs> but, it was for Rorschach or so, but is, is Rorschach really crazy? I mean, I, I, I we'll he's talk about that next episode. Yeah, so he's, he's definitely, he's <laughs> definitely off the, uh, you know, <laughs> he's got, he's got, he's got some threads missing on his. <laughs> yeah, Rorschach. I wouldn't go so far as to say he's crazy, but I would say he's unhinged. Oh yeah, most definitely. But I would say here's another thing about about uh, Dan when you know when Rorschach says you go been lazing around a long time. Maybe you forgot how we do things. And then Dan just goes off. He's like, he's like, lazing. And listen, I've had it. Like, who, who the hell do you think you are? You leave all people while insulting them. Nobody complains because they think you're a goddamn lunatic. You know how hard it is to be your friend? In the very next panel, he's, he's, he's like, look, Rorschach, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have. Like, he, he immediately backs down. He's like, he's like, it's, yeah, all this stuff is true, but I shouldn't, I shouldn't say it. I should keep it all to myself because the last thing I want to do is lose another friend. Right. Right. Yeah, I love that interaction between those two. And then Rorschach shakes his hand, mm-hmm. but it's for a little bit too long. <laughs> and Dan has to, like, kind of pry his hand off of him. It's like, okay, let's let's just move on, buddy. And I think that's a great thing because it, it kind of shows that Rorschach needs his friendship mm-hmm. just as much as he needs his. And Rorschach knows it. Yeah. So this has nothing to do with Dan, really, but there's just so much good stuff hidden in the panels here. Have you noticed... On this last chapter, when the squid comes, the part from the Institute for Spatial Studies that isn't covered in paint says, or all die. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I'd totally forgotten about that. God, there is so much stuff in in this. It's it's crazy. I'll I'll, say insane, but it's crazy. Yeah, Dave Gibbons is insanely, insanely good. Yeah. And you know, for we talked about uh, one of the previous episodes about uh, uh, Alan Moore scripting, mm-hmm. but the that whole thing where if, if he's scripting like that and he's putting that kind of detail in there, and you're laying out the page, you have to really think about okay, he wants all this stuff in there. So if he wants the titles of these books on there, yep, I've got to make sure that those books are visible. And big enough so that the letterer can make those legible. Yep. You know, if you, if he wants this thing in there, I've got to make sure that not that all these things are just in there, but they're in there and, and legible so that you can see, read or whatever it is. Even if it's just something like a background thing, like, you know, like, uh, like when I point out in that one thing where it says, um, uh, like the clock on the wall behind this, just a mm-hmm. regular clock is like 10 minutes to midnight. Yep. Now, I've got to make sure that's, that's clear, not just there, but there and clear. It's um, it's 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 insane. So yeah. Yeah, as as a as a, as a uh, a writer, I mean Alan Moore does a fantastic job. But to translate what he wrote and put it in there, mm-hmm. um, is 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 just as good. Yeah, like oh, here's this thing. Like we're showing, we're seeing the giant squid there and the end panel and. Um, like the one movie theater showing the day the earth stood still, mm-hmm. you know, with, when aliens come down to be like, Oh, Hey, um, we're tired of your shit. Stop your wars or, or else, you know, and, and that's just there. I mean, that's, that's a really obvious nod, but at the time this came out, 
the day there stood still is like a black and white movie from like the fifties, you know, mm-hmm. and I only knew it at the time because it's one of my mom's favorite movies. So and we watched it a couple of times. Right. And right. so I was familiar with it. And, but looking at that, be like, Oh, what, what's this about? The, with a movie? Okay. It's about this. It's about aliens coming down and saying, Hey, because you know the movie? Uh, I know of it. Okay. I know what it's about. Yeah. So this, this alien comes down and he lands a spaceship and he goes out there and he's got this giant robot behind him. Gort. And, uh, and he comes down and he says, and he's going to address the, you know, the people and, you know, the army is all gathered around there. And he, he goes to pull out this device and they shoot him. Hmm. And the device was like a, it's like a universal translator or something like that. Anyway, it was, it was something and they shoot him. And then Gort raises the visor and he starts like shooting these beams and just e- like just evaporating <laughs> like the military's like tanks and stuff like that. And anyway, so at the very end, he's going to go. He basically has the, the one girl that's helping him um, to like get sneak aboard his spaceship and talk to Gort and uh, and get deliver the message uh, like Klaatu, Barada, and Nikto. Anyway, right. it's, it freezes. It doesn't freeze time, but basically it kind of like stops everything electric like all over the world. Right. Like nothing right. runs or anything else. And I forget for how long it is. And then and then he's like, uh, and then he's like, like, look, this is the kind of power we have. It's like I came here to offer you like a message of like hope and peace and the. Um, you know, from, from other planets, because there are other alien worlds out there. Mm-hmm. Yours is the most violent. And it's like, this is a, this is a chance for you guys to change your ways and to change your behavior. Um, because we can't let what you're doing spill out into the rest of the galaxy. So change your ways. Stop being so violent. Stop being these warmongers mm-hmm. or else we're going to, he just says, or else we're going to wipe you guys all out of the other universe. Right. That's it. Like, this is your only warning. And the thing is, he comes here to deliver a message of peace. The first thing to do is shoot him. It's like, okay, fuck you guys. So, like, that's it. It's like, I was trying to give you the benefit of the doubt, but you know what? You can kiss my alien ass. You know what? On second thought. <laughs> and so, and, and that's, I'm like, that's exactly what this is right here. It's like, oh, hey, I'm going to give you a threat from outer space that is going to show up there. And, it, and, and even though the message isn't stop doing this or else, it's like, oh, hey, you guys need to stop fighting. Right, right. Here's an alien a alien message that says stop fighting because or else you're gonna kill yourselves. So another thing I, I love I love this. Like it's like a four page spread, right? Oh yeah, it's it's huge. It's a massive spread. Oh no, it's a five page. I almost want to get another a copy Six. of Watchmen and then like rip all these pages out and just yeah. put that whole big picture just together. <laughs> But yeah, like on page four, so it is a six-page spread, but yeah, on page four, um, there's a diner, but the E is covered up, or um, the R is covered up with the telephone pole, and there's a pillar of smoke covering up the N, so you just see die yeah. on the wall. For Gunga Diner? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, yeah of course, it's... all the street signs saying one way, and I never noticed that there was like uh, Rorschach blots everywhere from where the... This is a prison psychiatrist died. Oh yeah, and, and his his briefcase blew off everywhere. Yeah, so there's like Rorschach stamps. Oh shit! Of course, the Promethean Cab Company bringing light to the world. There's so much to this. So if you go to page five of that, where you got the Promethean Cab Company, if you look right there, there's a I can't tell if it's a it looks like a vehicle, but it says uh, Gordian. That's the uh, Gordian uh, Gordian Knot and Lock Company. 
the people that repaired Dan mm-hmm. Dryberg's locks. And of course, you have the spray painted silhouette of the couple kissing, mm-hmm. which is uh, is very frequently repeated throughout the series. It's just like a, a tag that the Knot Tops use, but this is this is basically the equivalent of touching off the Hiroshima bomb. Yeah, and there are the shadows of people who were hit by the nuke, just like that, of just people interacting and going about their business throughout the day, and then they're just vaporized onto the wall. So, God, it's so good. I love how you point out this thing with the with a one way sign, which is you know it, it's like the 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 path you're headed down only ends one way. Mm-hmm. It, it's 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 masterful, man. I. I love and I also hate that that you have to you have to read it so many times yeah, to pick yeah. up on stuff because you know the first time you read it you're so invested in the story the second time you read it you're so invested in the story and then you learn new things mm-hmm. but then afterwards you have to like read it and then it's like like let me look at everything else that's there that's telling the story to me yeah like let me really take this in oh okay. Um, look at page six. Yeah. Read that newspaper there. Not, not, not the one that says war, the one underneath it. Oh, the Vite method? Mm-hmm. What does it say? I will give you bodies beyond your wildest imaginings. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> and of course, directly below that, that book is the smiley face pin. Oh yeah, it's the, uh, it's the, uh, the energy thing, but with the, with the plugins and then the thing on it, it yep. looks just like the smiley face pin. That's... <laughs> So freaking good, man. It's so good. God, it's yeah, it's amazing. This is just freaking it's it <laughs> it's almost indescribable just how good this is. Yeah, it's really hard to put into words. It's like it's kinda like old boy where it's like you know it's hard for me to explain why you need to watch it, but trust me, you need to watch it. And it's the same thing with Watchmen. It's like it's kinda hard for me to explain why this is such an important book. But just just read the damn thing. Just yeah. just read it. So, uh, one other thing I want to do, since we kind of actually kind of steered away from, from Dryberg a little bit. Just a bit, yeah. Um, you know, we talked about, like, you know, our favorite characters. And as much as I don't want to say I love Rorschach, but <laughs> I, I love Rorschach. Rorschach, he, he's got so much going for him than just the surface level stuff. I, I freaking love Rorschach. But I want to, I'm going to say this, and I could be completely wrong, but I think that Zack Snyder likes Night Owl. Hmm. I think he really likes Night Owl. And the reason I'm going to say that is if you read through the book, Night Owl's got some interesting scenes and stuff. He does, you know, he's kind of cool. But in the movie, they really make Night Owl shine. Oh, yeah. So, like, when we're talking about the riots, when he and the comedian are there, dude, when comedian jumps down and he starts attacking those people, that's an awesome scene. But when he drops out of Archie mm-hmm. and the cape, sp- like, like, flares out and he lands... That's so badass. The prison fight with oh, him. Oh, God, the prison fight. That is like the shit. And, dude, one of my favorite scenes, and the music is just so... I, the trailer alone for that one is just like... when they, In the trailer, when they show that scene, it's so fucking awesome. Is when Archie bursts out of the water. Oh, yeah. That is so badass. I love that. I mean, he really makes Night Owl, like, stand out. And, and like, it's like... He's is like this is the guy because out of everybody else, he really is the guy. Like the the he's the one true hero. Rorschach's yeah. a nut job. Manhattan's this. <laughs> he's he's not he's not even here. You know, Vites this guy. He's he's this guy. Like <laughs> Vites, you know, right? Right. Lori is still grappling with the whole I don't want to be a hero. I want to be a hero thing. This is the guy that says like 
I want to be a hero. I've always wanted to be a hero. And given the chance, like, bam, check me out. It's yeah. like, yeah. He, and he, he really is, it's like, it's like, this is, this is your everyday, this is your every guy hero right here. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, uh, he's, he's not, he's not going to give up like Captain Metropolis that was like, whoa, whoa, you're burning, you're burning my map. Right. <laughs> like, you know, he's not going to go with like nuts, like, like, uh, like, uh, with the, the moth, the mothman or, yeah, yeah. Moth. <laughs> and whatever happened to Dollar Bill? Uh, he was chasing a robber out of the bank and his, his cape. That's right, get caught, caught in, in the, the revolving door. And it's right. like, which is what you get when you don't have your costume designed no case. Edna. <laughs> so, so yeah, he's the guy that, that's smart enough and he's in it for all the right reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Like, yeah, I, I think he's probably got the purest heart out of, out of any of the others. And I, I think that, that Snyder, like, I think he likes, he really likes him and it's like, this is the guy that, that, that should shine, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Yeah. This is the one. And he does, he makes him really, really stand out, but like, check him out. Like, yeah. And, yeah. and he is, he is badass. He is a badass all the way through. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, as, so. as, as a night owl, he's badass all the way through. <laughs> yeah. Very, very much so. So, yeah. So we've been going for about an hour 15. These have been some long episodes, but I'm liking it. Well, I mean, you're talking about, 12 issue comic book mm-hmm. where even though like there's certain issues that are devoted primarily to a particular character you still get to see more of them as you go through and I think that's one thing I like about the Watchmen yeah is that you find even as you're moving through and you say okay I think I got a pretty good grasp of who this character is as you move through you find a little bit more about them mm-hmm. and you see other other parts of them and again how they're how they're seen by others, right? Yeah, yeah. So, and 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 that just that, and it's not one of those things where it's like, well, I thought this guy was the good guy all the time, and now you tell me it's the bad guy. It's like, like no, it it just really kind of enhances, uh, like what you know about him, or just uh, reinforces like this knowledge about that you know, or you feel you know about him. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it's 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 pretty cool, man. So you can't you can't really just be like, oh, we can just just sum all this up in um. In like half hour. Yeah, yeah, can't happen. It, 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 there's too much. So yeah, yeah he's um, Dryberg Dry like Night Out is is kind of awesome. Uh, and he he represents. I think he does a really good job of representing the every man and desire to be, you know, more than who you are, who who you really think you could be if mm-hmm. given the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, I like it. I kind of, uh, I'm not trying to make this to another thing, but I kind of find it interesting that Night Owl is Batman only without the, without the tragic past. He still loses both of his, his, he still loses both of his parents. He has his mentor, he has his Alfred, which, does, but doesn't come until later in life. He's right. got the money. He's, he's got all of that. And he does make the a Batman like suit and does that mm-hmm. kind of thing, but he's like for him, unlike unlike Batman, he's he's much more. I, I now say relatable, but grounded. Yeah, I would say grounded. Where Batman's very extremist, and Dan is not <laughs> right. And where Batman is like, I do this for you know, I do this because of my pain. Mm-hmm. Dan is like, I do this to make things better. 
Yeah, Batman's yeah. trying to make things better, but he's driven by his pain. Like, I don't want anyone else to feel like this. Mm-hmm. He's just like, I just want to make things better. Right, right. And and the thing with Dan is, yes, he's had some bad... Everyone has bad days, but Dan's never had a bad day. You know, they, his parents died, yes, but he's never had a bad day in his life. Right. You know, right. he's been taken care of. He's, you know... He's never he's never had like like a like a really rough bad day because this thing happened or like you know whatever it is. He's had a really good life for the most part. And he's like but I could make things better for other people too. Right. Right. And, and that's why, his sole goal. Yeah, like why should I be the only one who's happy? <laughs> Even though he's not happy, but the reason he realized that he's not happy is because he's not doing what he Wants to do. Yeah. He's, he's not doing what makes him happy. Right. <laughs> so he's, you know, I, we, we talked about yesterday, like, well, who you want to be and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm still going to stick with, with, uh, Dr. Manhattan. Uh, what, no, that, no, that picked Manhattan or dad picked Bite? Uh, I think you ultimately went with Manhattan. Manhattan. Um, yeah. Um, and the reason I, the reason I think I shied away from Bite is because of that Thanos quote. It's like, you're not the only one in the universe cursed with knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, because I was like, it's having knowledge in a world where people don't have the same knowledge. Um, mm-hmm. you know, like it's, it's frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, so, cause, well, uh, Walker and I talked about that with the character of Vandal Savage in, uh, in DC where he was you know, in the end with all that, uh, like this glowing rock crashed into the earth and, uh, this meteor and it was warm. So he went curled up beside it, um, and fell asleep because of the warmth. And he woke up. He was smart, <laughs> but he was, yeah. You know, and I, I'm not saying he was like, super intelligent, but he was, let's say sixth grade intelligence yeah. to a bunch of Neanderthals. Right. Right. But then as they got smarter, he got smarter. So, so he still always stayed like generations ahead of them. <laughs> And so it makes it almost impossible for you to find someone to connect with or have any right. kind of conversation with. And then ultimately you just like, like you just, you kind of give up on them. And I think that's where Vite is. Um, so, yeah. yeah. So, um, so that's why I wouldn't want to be him, you know, Manhattan. But then it, you know, if I really, if I really had to say, oh, I, I would say that, uh, that Dan is a very close second to, to Manhattan. Yeah. <laughs> for me. I can see that. I can definitely see that. So. All right. So thanks, everyone, uh, for joining us for a, another one of our Watchmen discussions. This is episode four. Yeah. My name is Turk182. And you can always find me here on Our Moms Think We're Funny. You can also find me on the comic book podcast In the Gutters, where hopefully you've already listened to two episodes of our of our Watchmen, uh, uh, Watchmen Files. Yeah. And... Um, and you, we, there, Walker, all one and I talk about comic books and comic book related things and try to be basically all things comic books, really just kind of talking about comic books in a very, uh, very from a positive way and basically celebrating what's great about comic books because mm-hmm. it's just what we love. Um, you can also find me on places like Twitter and Instagram at, uh, Turk182 underscore KE. And, uh, I think that's all I have to say. All right. And I'm a Comey. Uh, you can find me pretty much anywhere on social media at Akomi Draws. And, uh, yeah, I mean, outside of this podcast, that's pretty much it. Uh, that and my art. Oh, and, uh, did you get all your, uh, Inktober stuff posted? Um, 
Not on any of my art accounts, just on my personal. So I'm like really far behind on that. But yeah, I did Inktober. I did it. I drew it all. I stayed mostly on schedule. Yeah. So it, it'll it'll be on there at some point. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, when we, like the past couple episodes that we've posted, um, we talked about some upcoming things. And, of course, by the time they edit, the episodes got posted, uh, like these things are already passed. Like we, the, uh, that, uh, the, uh, with the, the, the con that was in Roanoke, the um, big, big league con, you know, that of course, you know, we're like, we'll be there, but you know, that was already over by the time they got posted. And of course we, we found out, um, within the past like two weeks that the, uh, the, uh, galaxy con Raleigh has officially been canceled for this year and mm-hmm. won't return until July of next year. Hopefully fingers crossed. Um, I think they are still hoping to do, uh, Galaxy Con Richmond sometime in 2000, like the spring or late winter, early spring 2021. Don't know any more about that, but once we find out more about it, we'll be there. Um, but, uh, yeah, I figured I'd go ahead and just drop that out there because we never did kind of really acknowledge that. Like, oops, yeah, we're saying all this stuff that's already happened and, <laughs> and we weren't there. <laughs> So that that's it. Um, and of course, if you really, really, really need to get a dose of us, you can always find us here. And uh, thanks a lot, everyone. Yeah. Bye. Zang, yo. All right, there, folks. That was our moms think we're funny. Let's uh, let's give them a hand.